Ladies and gentlemen, the Hold Up Podcast. Hold up! You know, Justin, I didn't. I think I didn't see your blinking lights until the second you just did your hold up there. I oh. didn't see them activated. Oh, there they are. They're there. Your lights just in the background. Not as uh, pronounced because I have the main light in the room on. Gotcha. Yeah, Turn gotcha. it off. How they make doing? it moody. Yeah, they do make it moody, right? They move around with his voice a little bit. It's a lot oh, of fun. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very fun. I mean, if I could reach my light switch, I'd turn them off for you guys so you can really get the experience, but maybe later. Okay, maybe later. Maybe seg- maybe that's a second segment thing. A little yeah. bit, uh, yeah. Behind the scenes, you're going to turn your lights off. And it's gonna- oh, wait. Are you going now? I'm going to do it right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I figured. You, uh... Oh, wow. Look at this. Okay, we're back. Oh, all right. Yeah, and the, the oh, light okay. sort of adjusted nicely on the webcam. Yeah, I, have... I, think, I think it'd look very nice silhouetted, though. Can you give us one more? No, if that's Justin, so but, like, the color. Yeah. Oh, uh, what did you want me to do? Turn just off all another... No, no, no. Just give me a little, another pop, another hold-up pop. Oh. Hold up! Yeah, look at those shine in the background. Wow. That's yeah, fun. We... Great $12 yeah. investment, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm John Stenning. Justin Adam K., we are joined by Neil Giuliano. Neil, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going to break down some things that you, maybe that you liked when you were a kid. I hate to get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, uh, we're going to talk about a specific album in just a bit from a specific band. Usually that's how albums work. They're from specific bands. They're not from, like, general bands. That would be weird if that's how it worked. I don't know, Justin. You I mean, that's right? kind of the California Raisins that we did. That's, like, a not a just not a... Yeah, but they're kind of a band. Uh, yeah, they're kind of a they, band. They were they covers. They also are doing covers, so they yeah, were different right. bands. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about a bunch of originals <laughs> in a little bit. Um, but, Neil, you know, we like to sort of paint a picture uh, of our guests and sort of talk about the type of media, the type of content they were into growing up. And, uh, you know, we are going to talk about music, but for you, was it mostly music, movies, TV? How did that sort of shape up for you? It was actually mostly video games for me growing up. Hell yeah, um, nice. I, uh, like, I grew up um, kind of just really liking just time to myself. Uh, I had a hard time kind of making friends in a lot of ways. And it was, for video games, it was just, like, not only the release, but it was, like, that was just the entertainment for me. And in particular, um, like, when I was younger, so I... Uh, should we jump ahead to like what the the album is exactly? Yeah, go ahead, go that. for it. Yeah. So so the album we're going to be talking about today is Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, and I was uh, seven years old when that album came out. So at the time when I was a kid, um, in all honesty, like the only music that I really cared about was music from the video games I played. Like um, if like it either was something that either had like a good melody or uh, I can't even remember anything that like had lyrics in it, but it was just that was like the only thing that I cared about when it came to music. My dad, he played uh, stuff that was on, like, 92 Pro FM for Rhode Island Natives. Uh, like, basically, yeah. like, pop and, like, soft rock and popular kind of uh, music like that. But my mom, she played um, 95.5 for Rhode Island Natives. And it was more, like, kind of, like, hard rock or, like, yeah. just rock in general. Sometimes, like, some new metal came in there. Um, and it was actually, like, I, don't, I honestly cannot remember anything that I liked back in the day until all of a sudden I heard hybrid theory of Ellicott park that was like for some reason the album that made me actually interested being like oh i think i want to listen to music now um yeah oh no go ahead well yeah was that something that you heard on bru because bru for me 95.5 wbru was like the first like 
cool radio station, you know, at least. Like, because 92 Pro FM was very mainstream, right? Then there was, like, there's, like, 94 HJY, you know, which is, like, classic rock. But 95.5 was, like, contemporary alternative music. It was uh, not up to me. It was actually my mom. Um, yeah. And so I, I actually asked her before I actually came on being like, hey, how did this actually come about? Um, I knew that it, it was from a CD. We um, used to drive me to uh, to school in Newport. It was uh, around like, a, I don't know, maybe like a 20, 30 minute drive. And she always just wanted to play like her music that were from her CDs in the car. And she owned Hybrid Theory. And she got it because she heard like a couple of singles on the radio. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah that's probably a, a reasonable thing to invest into because uh, it's uh, back in the day. You had to pay for all of the songs. That is, of, yeah. uh, what a, like that whole story you just told. Freaking crazy that that's I heard some singles on the radio. So I went and bought the CD. Man, people don't do that anymore. It's unfortunate. Yeah, no. Uh, I remember uh, when iTunes first came out uh, and they had like the advertisement being like, why pay if you only want one more song? Uh, and no, why <laughs> pay the full price if you want one song? Yeah. And that was like revolutionary to me in particular because um, like I only really played like three songs from any album that I listened to anyway, pretty much. So, but like Hybrid Theory though, that was one where uh, I mostly played all of the songs uh, all the way through. I guess I'll get to the other uh, part later. Yeah, so like what now this sort of being like the first album that you actually said that you like liked on your own volition, right? Not not that it you necessarily came across it on your own, but you sort of made it your own. Is that is that right? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Um and, No, go ahead. It was I I I think I've always like had this thing in me where I think I've always liked heavier music. I'm not sure, like, what memories I usually have when it comes to music that I don't like, but I do remember this one time at, it was at uh, SeaWorld with my dad. My dad likes, uh, like, older Maroon 5, like, uh, anything that's kind of, like, really soft and, like, pleasant. Uh, like, mm -hmm. he calls it, like, adult alternative. Yeah. And uh, I remember to this being... Day, like, I don't know what that means. Still. I, I still don't either, but... Um, <laughs> But all I know is that, like, that's the kind of music that my dad likes. And hell yeah, dad. Um, he, particular, he took us to SeaWorld and there was a act that came up. I thought I was going to see a bunch of whales, but it uh, turns out that uh, the whales were tired and they brought out a guy to do some songs. And What? <laughs> Fucking SeaWorld, man. What a crazy place. <laughs> I, I still to this day don't know if it was like actually like a part of like an intermission kind of thing, but yeah. I, I remember this one guy more than I remember the actual whales that we were looking to see. Yeah. And I remember this person uh, played a bunch of Elton John songs. I didn't know who Elton John was at the time, but mm -hmm. he played like uh, Crocodile Rock in particular. And I remember everybody just like singing, like standing, like waving their hands, like smiling, like saying the la 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 part of the chorus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, it was that moment right there where I realized, oh, wait, people like this stuff. People <laughs> like are supposed more, to. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Like, this seems like the masses are into this. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh, does this mean I should like this, too? But it didn't really catch. Did and how, really and catch how old were you at this point, Neil? I was I was probably, like, same same time around, like, seven or eight. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think that uh, if I 
was that reserved in my musical taste by then i would have been like oh i wish this was like something else like i don't know honestly like lincoln park <laughs> sure i yeah. i'm very obsessive and like when i find something that like i find it's like oh yeah no this is what i'm going to be listening to um until i am tired of it and that i can find something else i'm going to embrace or and if i don't that i'm going to like scours the earth for something else like that yeah that's such an interesting thing because i feel like i find myself now as a uh, quote unquote adult trying to not like burn out on on albums you know what i mean like because i will do the same thing i'll just listen to something ad nauseum and i eventually am like oh no i'll put it on maybe you know say for the hundredth time and i'm like oh no it's sort of lost its luster is that the same do you sort of still do the same thing when it comes to music or do you try to curb it a little bit I actively do not listen to my favorite songs and my favorite albums so I don't get burnout. Yeah, because um, that's terrible, isn't it? It's yeah. a terrible <laughs> feeling. Yeah. yeah. It's like I, I have, like, certain albums that I will, like, always listen to because I don't, so they're not my favorite, but they're, like, good enough for me to, like, play constantly. But yeah. the stuff that, like, I treasure and stuff, it's any piece of media in general. It's ones where I, I actively just try not to do that because I know I'm just not going to like it as much and enjoy it as much. Right. Keep it special. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you're right. You gotta it's keep it's interesting though that you like what you found at eight years old stuck with you, and I only because like so for me, uh, I had what my dad was into was like what music I was familiar with, and so I had favorite songs from like the music he liked, but I wouldn't have ever like it wasn't till eighth grade till I was like thirteen. 14 where i started to understand that like oh there's like music that i could like that i like that's for for me and um you know it has nothing to do with whatever my dad like grew up with or whatever and so it's i it's really cool to hear that you had you already got an impression that was like oh this is like new music or this is like a cd that like i'm gonna like did you know at eight years old that lincoln park was like that album was new or no, no, no it's, that might as well have been classic rock. You don't, you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't have any concept about like a record release. I didn't have a concept about like, in all honesty, artists. It was just like, Oh, that one CD is um, Lincoln park. I didn't even know the name of the album actually. Um, until, right, right. until they came up with another one and it's like, Oh, there's another version of Lincoln park. That's pretty cool. I like that. Another version of Lincoln park. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, Cause I mean, when you're eight years old, it doesn't like, make sense. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Justin, you talked about this a lot on the show, that, like, your dad was almost, like, he was pretty strict about the type of music that he was listening to versus everything else because it was almost like everything else isn't even worth listening to. Correct. Uh, like, yeah. in fact, Linkin Park, the only song that I've ever heard by that band is In The End. Wait, before uh, today, before listening to it for this? Correct. What? Yeah, oh, although although uh, I guess now listening, I couldn't tell you the single. I had heard another one of those singles, but I would never could have told was you it was Linkin Park. Crawling. Uh, yes, that that sounds right. But yeah. um, so anyway, like in the end, and I didn't discover that till um, I was in seventh and eighth grade. Right, I was yeah. twelve and thirteen years old, and I was trying to fit in with the other kids. And like Linkin Park, in the end, that was like a popular alt rock yeah, sure. song. Yeah. Uh, that's funny because when I was uh, in, like, I, I think I was like like first or second grade. Lincoln Park was known, but like it was like the like, oh, you like Lincoln Park? 
<laughs> oh, it's already like a bad thing. It, yeah, it was already like, and all, and I, I used to carpool with people, and I remember that nobody liked Lincoln Park that I carpooled with. What did so, they like? I that's the thing. I was so focused on what they didn't like that I was like so torn, being like, how could this be? That even if they they told me, like, I think I was like too shooken up to like either pay attention to that or maybe i just forgot to ask maybe like they just focused too much on like oh yeah i don't like this more like do oh. you think those people liked like godsmack or corn or limp biscuit or <laughs> no no they were probably none on, like, of a this new metal spectrum. was for them i think yeah i think that new metal was like, so just funny. not in the equation <laughs> they were just like they were really into limp biscuit and pod but they just but like fucking hated not Park. like lincoln bar yeah. yeah yeah for some reason uh yeah, because that was sort of a. It's funny because like that term "new metal," is is a term that like has never really made too much sense to me, because like people are always like, "Oh, new metal," like Marilyn Manson. I'm like, Marilyn Manson isn't new metal. I don't think he is really. Um, and like, like I guess Corn, you know, sort of Lincoln Park, sort of. But I like, think new metal, and I don't. Yeah. I'm making this up off the top of my head. I've never actually looked up what the term truly means according to wikipedia yeah. and that's but new I, metal nu nu, NU metal, metal. for those yes. that don't know yeah. what we're talking about as if it's like this new generation of like metal right because like up until that point metal was um metallica or megadeth or iron sure. maiden right just like very standard like heavy rock so to me new metal like wanted to make the heavy rock but also was very influenced by very modern at the time hip-hop and electronica that's sort and a of little like, bit of electronica right so yeah, now yeah. it's like oh can we combine all of that into something and we got new metal so we got yeah, so that. that's a pretty accurate way to kind of say that um i think that like the the main thing was like kind of more or less uh hip-hop rhythmic influenced metal or and all those people don't even say metal turntablist in Not, the band did Korn have a turntablist yeah, don't they? I think so. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I think they I... do. Maybe they don't anymore. I, I think a lot of gotcha. bands, like, abandoned that at some point. Because, like, sure. what do we have somebody, we're paying someone to scratch records right now? I mean, Incubus still does, but, like, whatever, <laughs> right? Who knows? I don't know if they still keep those people around or make them play something else. Is Incubus still doing stuff? They are, but it's not great. Well, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to say. <laughs> I, I, I still listen to whatever they put out, but that's cool. fine. It's not as good as it used to be. Yeah, fair enough. Neil, uh, were you were you into other new metal type of bands at the time? Did it sort of like springboard you into more bands like Linkin Park? Because I know now, working with you now, that you do you continue to listen to heavier music, right? I mean, sometimes, maybe not sometimes, maybe all the time, you're in the studio before I am, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> I've I've come into a silent studio, but it it sounds like Mashuga has been blaring in there. And maybe the reverb is still being carried around the studio, you know, because uh, you politely will turn it off once other people come in the room. But I know that you you do continue to listen to heavier stuff, right? That is very true. And uh, so, in fact, actually, when it came to Lincoln Park, um, the trend the trend did not actually go towards new metal. Um, yeah. So when I so uh, I don't know, I was probably maybe around like nine or ten at this time, and Hybrid Theory was out for a while, and then uh, so my basically when. I wanted to listen to something. I had to convince my mom to borrow one of her CDs. 
and that turned into, uh, hey, mom, can we buy this CD? And then she's like, I don't really know about that. And then, like, it kind of had to be a mutual thing that we both liked altogether. Yeah. Um, and then uh, somewhere around the lines, um, like, I was able to convince my dad, who didn't really know the stuff that I was listening to, would be like, hey, this is, uh, this is something that I want. So that actually turned into, first, um, Disturbed, and then to Static X, and then AT oh, Visions. Nice. Uh, oh, basically, hell like, yeah. Love AT, AT Visions. Visions. Yeah, what was that? What was that album? Obsession? Yes, I love that album. Like, I actually, Pink and Black? Yeah. Either self-titled, actually. I, self-titled. I, 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 I know Tower of Snakes, um, but I never actually had the album where that came from, and I think that that's the one you guys are talking about. Yeah, I think you're right. That sounds familiar. Um, yeah, so interesting. Not necessarily curious. too much new metal. 18 Visions, I would almost call, like, post-hardcore Emo. screamo. Yeah, yeah, like, I think I would basically just glorify them as, like, tr- like total metal core in this kind of case. Yeah, right, um, right. So yeah, like it actually, like I never actually listened to any other new metal bands. The closest was um, I wanted a Limp Biscuit album, and my mom was like, uh, I, "I don't know, I don't really want to buy this for myself." And that was like, yeah. "Okay, well, I guess I'm not going down new metal anymore." And then I, I guess to thank God your mom was, saved you. That's that's what I'd like to say. Uh, you know, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I I do want to say this for the first and foremost, though. Like so. Um, I will say this to anybody as well too. Like, uh, like my taste in music today are very odd. Uh, and it, like when it comes to like, if anybody you're like, Hey, if you enjoy this thing and you like it, that's awesome. Hell yeah. Um, but I know what I like and I've gotten to the point now as well too, where I like, yeah, it's not for me. It's not that it's right. bad or anything like that. I, cause like when it comes to metal, at least because, well, so after like disturbed um and like all that other kind of stuff like now today i listen to like uh like black and like death and black or like black and death metal and like particularly in like those kind of like weird kind of corners of like the metal community where like there's like only like 10 people that actually listen to a certain kind of album (laughs) it could get pretty elitist uh and i just want to say like hey just you, you know what you like. Uh, yeah. And I know listening back to Limp Biscuit now, it's like, oh, yeah, no, this was a lot more influenced on the music that I wasn't really into more than the music that I actually liked at the time. Yeah. Chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water. If people's <laughs> parents were letting them buy it based on the title alone, you know, like it was something that my mom would have let me buy. I remember my friend in elementary school had it and we would like, listen to it at any time but this was like and i maybe this has happened in other eras but i feel like there were multiple albums when i was around the age of like 12 to 14 that like parents were just throwing out the marshall mathers lp limp biscuit like it was like it was like on the news and it was like it was on the news and sensationalized i'll never forget that my parents went to a fucking dare like officer dare uh, about music for after music? it was like yeah yeah it was like a it was like an oh. at night program um at the school but i don't know if it was like through the town or through father doyle like the school i went to yeah but it was like all the parents were invited to hear like get a, a get a lesson on modern music and to this day That's i ridiculous. i i wish to god i could go and sit in that thing and hear the bullshit that was said about good artists right um and because, Fred Durst. Good and like, artist and Fred Durst. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't he from Lincoln Park, Fred Durst? No. No, he's, uh, he's Limp Bizkit. Oh, Limp Bizkit. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I, 
I feel like that had my mom very on edge. And luckily, my dad, as much as he uh, didn't have me, like, even believe that there was new music in the world. Um, <laughs> like, when the time came that I found my own music and wanted to buy shit, he just didn't care and was like, you know, I've raised you to know what good music is, so figure it out. Yeah, it's such a funny stance to take because all good music like pushes those boundaries. That's I right. think you know it, yes. it like it it makes you think differently than you're already thinking. It sort of shapes you as a young mind, and like that's like, I mean, I'm not proud to have like enjoyed Limp Biscuit. I'm kind of proud to have enjoyed Corn at some point. I'm not I'm not afraid of that, but of you know so. what I mean. Like that was part of what got me to where I am today. You know, and Correct. like, what do you want me to be? Some square listening to some regular stuff you know that the dare like what is the dare officer pushing in 2002 you know that's what i, mean? like, I want to know like, what, what could they, they possibly have fucking said and then yeah. i'll never forget my mom was like i came out of there and he played us one song that was just swear 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 yeah. f-bomb f-bomb <laughs> f-bomb f-bomb yeah and i'm like uh i get like that sounds like a stupid song like why would right, you expect me bad. to listen to it? it sounds like a bad song yeah. Like, but cursing in a song isn't the end of the world. And I'll never forget, sure. um, we're going a little off topic here, but there's a band that I like called Brand New, and they have a song called Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And they're literally, uh, the, the singer is like talking to Jesus. Like, what did you do? You know, like he, anytime he says it, he's like actually making a comment to Jesus. He's not just cursing and saying, oh, Jesus Christ. Like he's not no, just he's saying like Jesus Christ. That's the, yeah, and he's talking to he's Jesus, talking right. to to God, right or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. And I and I had that song on in the uh, in the car with my mom one time, and yep. she was just so offended. And I was like, "Why?" He's just like right, talking about how he's Lord's bored. Name in vain. He's just talking. Yeah, to him. yeah. He's, he's talking about how he's bored and wants to know what what Jesus did when he was in the fucking rock for three days or whatever the hell. So like, um. I, I just never, like, parents don't hear that. Or, I mean, right. a lot of people, I don't want to say parents. A lot of people just hear the one bad word in a song, and, oh, that's it. It's and they dismiss it. That's right. it. Which it's is garbage. Unfair. It's, that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Looking back on it right now, I, like, the the kind of music that I was listening to when I was, I think, we're like 13 or something, that started to be, like, a Slayer, and that was the album God Hates Us All. Um, Hell yeah. I come from a Christian family, so, like, uh, Us I always too. hit... I hit oh, that yeah. one. No one knew, yeah. but like, yeah. and, and, and like looking back at it now, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't think that changed me at all. Uh, it, 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 it did not influence me like whatsoever when it came to my personal beliefs. It influenced like my decision-making and stuff. It was just like, it was just cool to hear him just like be really angry. And, and that was kind of what I liked about that too. And yeah, that's what you need at 13. You got anger yeah. and you don't know what to do with it because you're yeah. a ball of hormones and you're trying to like get your fucking emotions out. Like that's yeah, it, it's yeah. a release. Yeah. Sorry, Mom, I love Cannibal Corpse, and I want to have this T-shirt where a man is holding a jawbone <laughs> like it's a knife. And that doesn't mean I'm a bad person, Mom. It just means I That's like right. to listen to Cannibal Corpse. Jim Carrey likes it in Ace Ventura. Why can't I like it? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly that. Yeah, the best which scenes is, of all time with metal. It's, it is truly one of the best metal scenes of all time. And I love that Jim Carrey was like, listen, I love them. We need to put them in this movie. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. There's... Um, I feel like I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but Neil, have you ever seen the TV o- version of Pet Detective? 
No, I'm not. <laughs> There's like a whole additional Cannibal Corpse scene that's like not even in the deleted <gasps> scenes of no the. No uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was like added for the TV cut. It's strange. Yeah. That oh, happens. that's awesome. Wait, is it? Yeah. Is, is wait? Did you say it was animated? Nope. No, it's oh, just wow. Uh, it's only so seems it's... to be in the TV version of the movie. It's not even in the deleted scenes on the wow. DVD I have. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. like it's when he's being chased by the uh, the two like. Muscle guys for uh, Finkel, and yep. um, he ends up like going on stage, and then that's the other... a real version. Oh, oh is wait, that that's the... yeah, no, that that happened. Yeah, in that's the in the legit version. He uh, goes and he headbangs up on the stage. He's at the concert. Yeah, the stage but... guys. Yeah, yeah. stage. That's right, the so... scene we're talking about. Then there's an additional scene, and I'm just uh, oh, not remembering yeah. what it is. But we're I get... regular movie detective tonight, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I I took a shot. But I uh, was wrong. But anyway, I guarantee you there's a there's additional scenes with Cannibal Corpse that I had never seen before, and I was like, this is crazy. I need to check that out. That's, um, the, uh, that's a Matt Barnes era as well, too, where, yes. um, like, very different from who they are right now and who they actually, like, became in, like, the later 2000s. Um, but some people would argue that that's even the best era of Cannibal Corpse as well because they were just so influential when it came to just, like, modernizing death metal and just bringing it into a, like, a mainstream movie like that. Yeah, it's um, crazy. Plus, the scene is, like, it's it's fun as well, too. Like, I don't know how you could walk away from that scene being like, oh, death metal is terrible. It's, it's like, that's so fun to watch. And, like, it's not even, like, the antagonistic part of this of uh, of the music. No. It's like, oh, it's more or less like everyone's... I, I, don't, I didn't see anybody, like, um, angry to a point where, like, they're, like, violent or, like, looking to, like, cause any trouble. There was just kind of, like, a fun little moshing kind of thing, which you could see at, yeah. like, even EDM shows. And, yeah. like, yeah. Well, so you brought this up uh, a couple minutes ago, where the music didn't necessarily influence your um, your outlook on life necessarily or change who you were. But at least what I think back to that that music made me find a community that shaped me. So while the music and the content of the music wasn't necessarily um, like everything I was like living or dying for, although some of the emo shit I listened to uh, made me think I was living or dying on on the uh, on the breath yeah. of someone. But anyway, it's the community you found. And like, oh, I have a place to go. I have these friends that all kind of are like me and feel like they don't quite fit in anywhere else. And, you know, whatever. I think that is what, especially in your formative years, that adds to what makes music so special for so many people, I think. that That's interesting because, uh, so I've actually never found that. Um, and the community is actually a thing that I've never really, like, been foremost, like, something that I've ever actually kind of sought out. Um, I like it because if I can like turn off all the lights and just like play that, it just gets me like just a, a good little Zen mode and stuff. Um, and music's always been like a personal thing for me as well too. That is a thing that I just kind of treat so personally because of just how it makes me feel and like the, like the dopamine hit that I get off of it. Totally. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I, I don't really know like how it would ever be like if I like, sought out that kind of thing but uh i mean at the end of the day though like an interest is an interest you're going to meet similar people of all kind of facets of life no matter what their interests are totally totally yeah yeah so like you know you're talking you earlier you're talking about cannibal corpse in the movie and sort of it bringing it to like bringing that genre to light i feel like lincoln park did that in a lot of ways too like new metal rap metal sort of whatever you want to call it at the time was a, like a burge, uh, burgeoning genre right and linkin park 
was huge. Was absolutely huge. And like this, this album uh, came out October twenty fourth of the year two thousand. They recorded it from ninety nine into two thousand. Um, came out uh, through Warner Brothers. It's like forty minutes long, right? We listened to it in anticipation for the out al- for for recording here tonight. And um, it really, to me, was like it might have even played on ninety two Pro FM. Some of these songs, you know, we're talking about going back to like those sort of local radio stations and how we said like 95.5 played like the alt stuff and 92 Pro FM played more like mainstream, this might have like bridged that gap a little bit. Would you I say think so? With, I think within the end and crawling, they definitely did. Um, yes. I think that, um, so I, looking back at this as well too, um, before this kind of thing, I did a little more research about like, okay, how was the album uh, created? What was Lincoln Park like back in the day as well too? And, like, just looking at, like, the, the record sales and, like, the numbers, um, like, for a quote-unquote new metal band to kind of hit these kind of strides, even back when, um, like, overall, like, you still had really popular things that were hitting, like, the, the top charts. It seemed that Linkin Park was this one kind of weird instance where it was able to transcend multiple different audiences. And I think with, uh, with In the End in particular, that song, it was a ballad that also, like, ticked a lot of boxes that fit the like the new metal genre, but also like even uh, um, like this quote, I keep on saying soft rock, but I don't think that that's the actual name for it. But uh, I mean, uh, it might be. Yeah. Not necessarily like, I know what you're saying. Cause this is not so like, where are you? are not saying Linkin Park is soft rock. You're saying no, the other no. stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, it could fit in with those kind of uh, bands that were back in, uh, in like the early two thousands and nineties that were kind of transitioning to that more kind of like modern, um, like popper, kind of rock that uh yeah everyone seemed to be kind of forming a band for and and at that time right you had music that was like like your top 40 did have some rock in it sure now that's pretty unusual like the only rock band in the top 40 um like pop radio is like uh that led zeppelin knockoff those kids greta van fleet it was the exact (laughs) same band i was thinking of when yeah they're the only one uh in recent memory that have been like sure. a band that sure. have like really cracked that uh, tier. Um, otherwise, but like back then, I, like interesting, newer, diverse bands yeah. would still crack that, you know, the top 40. Uh, like yeah. like the real top, like the just the overarching top 40, which is now generally considered pretty pop oriented. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I I don't necessarily follow those sort of charts as well. There's got to be some other bands that are like, oh, what, what is that? What is Mumford and Sons? They're like a popular band. They're like, a, like a band. Yeah, they're like a band too. But, um, yeah. I'm just, I, I think like it's, it's few and far between. It's though. few and far between. But back then, like if you were, I think people were more open to rock music back then. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, sure. And not for nothing, right? This by at this point, Hybrid Theory is eleven times platinum. Which is it's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. They the had sold they, 27 million copies worldwide. Um, yeah, they won Grammys and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, you know, considered like some of the, like it's still considered one of the best albums of of the 2000s and of this generation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's well received. Um, and it's really like you know, like I said, it's the first time I listened to it uh, for for this, and it's it's like a good album. There's not much to, it's not my style of music necessarily, but it's it's there's really not much to criticize about it. It's like 
totally a legit album. And uh, kind of sad, it's to me pretty obvious that the lead singer there was cry for yeah. help even back when this album got made and no one seemed to yeah. care or that, maybe he that's turned down thing. help. I don't know. That's a thing that, uh, so uh, Chester Bennington um, mm-hmm. is the lead vocalist. Lead, um, like the guy who sings on that album, there's two vocalists. There's Mike Shinoda, who's the person who does the, the rapping, and then Shinoda, who does the quote-unquote singing. It kind of changed later down the line. And uh, uh, I, so I, first of all, I recently just seen the music video for Paper Cut literally right before this episode, like, like 10 Yeah, I just watched before. that too, yeah. I, I had no idea that that was even a thing. Um, so like, yeah. I... I'm very detached from like who the actual art is from the artist um, because I usually like just focus on the music part and like Chester Bennington had a history of being abused and even like sexually abused when he was a, a kid and even like a teenager as well too. And some of those kind of songs people say reflected that. Although Mike Shinoda was on record though, saying that the songs don't really have a particular thing when it comes to Chester Bennington from hybrid theory. It's more or less a, an album about emotions. Um, sure. I think that like you could kind of interpret those both ways. It, I agree. Yeah. I think that when it comes to making music in general as well, too, uh, uh, it's easy to like generalize. Oh, this is definitely about this. This is definitely about that. Right. Um, but the performance though from Chester though, that was the first time I was ever exposed to somebody who could scream and uh, like from that I did I didn't understand what he was saying most of the time, but I emotionally kind of connected to that and that kind of just the energy from that like it almost felt like it was like just from frustration or like sadness and it's it's one that i'm not sure if i connected with that part or if i just really enjoyed it but it's definitely like an influence to the music yeah it's interesting that you say that because i definitely listened to music for years that i didn't necessarily understand what the people were saying but I didn't mean that, like, I, like, I would eventually go and, like, look up the lyrics, you know? But, like, you get hooked on just the sound and, like, the power of it. And, like you said, like, the sort of the raw emotion that is behind it. And that, like, was something that totally spoke to me personally was, like, just, like, being able to express that emotion in that sort of way. And it's, like, yeah, now that I think about it, I feel like this was, like, the first stuff that they're, for me, too, like, with, like, actual screaming and, you know, because music didn't really, like, metal didn't do that. Like, thrash metal, Metallica, they didn't do that. You could pretty much understand what they're what's being said, you know? But, like, this is just, like, yeah, like, totally jumped me off into, like, that genre of, like, screaming and, like, screamo music and, like, metal and that sort of, that sort of, like path for me personally and like did neil did you continue to listen to lincoln park after this album oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. there was uh so hybrid theory um that was like the first exposed and then my mom liked them so much that they came out with a uh a album that was actually a remix album of uh hybrid theory called reanimation Reanimation, and it was and it was not only just hybrid theory but it was also like some uh bonus tracks and some demo tracks that didn't actually go on to hybrid theory and this one was pretty much coming from a electronic point of view where they kind of like it's a remix obviously like so like they still had like some of the elements of like the guitar the drums and the vocals and stuff but sometimes they would like go into there and either add additional verses from at the time, I had no idea, but some pretty prolific rappers. Um, some, yeah, Black Thought is on there. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pharaoh Monk is on there. Even and, uh, like Jur- Jurassic John- Five. <laughs> yeah. It's so like I think I think I ended up liking reanimation more than I liked hybrid theory. And that sort of was even before I was into like hip hop and rap as much as I am now, like that sort of stuff, like even Jonathan Davis like was rapping on that, the guy from Corn, like Oh a lot. yeah. Like, oh yeah. I do <laughs> I liked reanimation that. a lot. And that was such an interesting like take on you know, an album that I already enjoy, but then you're like, oh, wow, this is cool because it's like a remix, but there's like different tracks. There's extra verses. You know what I mean? It's like there was a lot of new stuff to listen to, but still feel it still felt familiar at the same time. Yeah. And I actually feel that reanimation actually holds up more than hybrid theory. Um, but I I think, though, the, the thing about reanimation, though, is that the fact that it is a kind of remix album it doesn't get as much like uh, popularity. Not too many people know about it as well, too, because unless they're like Lincoln Park fans, or it's like, of course, sure. like if you're a Lincoln Park fan, you definitely know about Reanimation. Um, uh, but yeah, like it was uh, the first time I actually ever heard like rappers before, and I didn't even know what rap music was until um, that in particular as well, too. Um, and it wasn't honestly until like later down the line where I would listen to it again, where it's like, oh yeah, these guys were like very respected kind of people of their craft. And, uh, I totally were just kind of like, oh yeah, that's the person who's not Mike Shinoda. That's another person who's not Mike Shinoda. Right. Right. And then after that, uh, Meteor was actually the first album that I quote unquote bought. No, I didn't buy it, but like, I like sure. begged my, I begged my mom to get it. It was me. your <laughs> album versus your mom's album. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that um, I listened to like, oh, God, I, I like I had a Walkman and like I uh, had like a case of CDs and like the Meteor was like the one that I played the most out of all of them. And then um, always like uh, whenever it was like a car ride and uh, my mom like uh, had to go into like the store, or, like she was like going in uh, for a long period of time or something. I would turn on the car and just like play Meteor for myself because I, I don't think that she liked it as much as I did. Yeah, because Meteor then, was what their was the full length that followed up Hybrid Theory, right? But Reanimation was in between, right? Is that right. Correct. Yeah, it was yeah. Hybrid Theory, then Reanimation, and then Meteora came after that. And Meteora is one that kind of is in the same kind of like quote unquote genre of Hybrid Theory, where it's this kind of new metal kind of flavor mm-hmm. of them. Although you can argue that Meteora was a lot more influential from the rock side than the hip hop side, where Hybrid Theory was more of like a, a combo of both of them. Sure. Um, but like Meteor was like the peak of my love for them. And uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Still love that album today. I can listen to that like with a lot of nostalgia. Um, and then uh, they came out with uh, an I don't know the name of it, but I did not like it when it came out. <laughs> That's a little uh, bit telling. Minutes <laughs> yeah. to Midnight. Minutes to Midnight. That's what it was. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember when like they were doing a... Uh, interview for it and they were saying no overproduced vocals uh no double stacking vocals uh no distortion um like we're a lot more trimmed down to like just um like pure rock and pure production and stuff and the question that i had at the time was but why guys i I, I, I like that stuff <laughs> and, and I felt so betrayed. I, I I couldn't like. I bought it because like it's like at the time it was like oh like no of course they're like they're my band. They're, like, yeah, they're more just, Lincoln Park. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and like I I was very disappointed um, as I listened to it. Probably like a lot more than somebody who was disappointed in an album should. Uh, but I don't know. I was like a teenager at the time, and it was like 
at that at that point you can see artists as somebody who like is like an influence to you and it's like well i don't like it but i guess i'll do it for for the band um and then that that pretty much stopped right there uh, i think after minutes to midnight happened um i think that that's actually where i went into like a lot more of like of a actually no so actually i after minutes to midnight i actually got into hip-hop um, for a period of time, because I had some friends at the time that were uh, into hip-hop, and that was just kind of a progression for me. So for probably until uh, 2012, it was pretty much only exclusively listening to hip-hop. I like didn't listen to any rock. I didn't listen to anything related to that as well, too. Um, and then when I stopped hanging out with those friends, it was like, oh, yeah, metal's a thing. And then that's kind of where I... Uh, found the love again through uh at first like Mueller kind of stuff and then I found um technical death metal and that's kind of where it was like okay yep we're going down this route for sure um like necrophages in particular the faceless um spawn of possession um yeah spawn of possession and cure so it was a amazing album that just kind of like got me down to like yeah so there's there's like metalcore there's like popular kind of stuff and that's great but there's like these really weird guys who don't make music for any money for some reason right right they they do it because there's something in them that just makes them want to become incredible musicians and just scream it doesn't make any sense whatsoever it feels like that you're being dragged into hell it feels like that you're on fire it's awesome and then it was like yeah sign me up for that that sounds great um and then the more something was more aggressive, the more something was, uh, like, darker, like, the more I was drawn to it. Uh, maybe it was because I was, like, so suppressed of any kind of rock for a very long time. Um, and then that kind of came down to listening to more grindcore, um, loved uh, anything related to, uh, like, even just, like, a fusion of black and death metal because I like the aesthetic of black, but I like, I li- I like good production, though. Uh, I yeah. don't like things recorded on a cell phone. Nothing wrong with it. It's totally fine if it's your kind of cup of tea. Um, but it ain't I, yours. Yeah, it's not mine. Um, and the reason I chose Lincoln Park is because um, I feel that a lot of things that I liked about the early album, though, like that was a precursor to things that I like about metal. Like I like good mixing for the first and foremost. Um, there's a lot of metal that I think does not have as, as good mixing. Um, I also like, in all honesty, I like sometimes if you go overproduced, if it sounds like it's produced. There's this, um, I'll try not to like talk too many random names, but, uh, there's this album by, uh, Rings of Saturn, their deathcore band, and they have this album that, um, they have gotten really criticized from the metal community for, um, called Dinger, and the reason why is because, um, the guitars are actually sped up, uh, they played at half of the speed of what they were actually able to play on the record. And then in post they sped it up and basically it sounds like it's impossible for a human to play. Um, and the, they're great musicians. First of all, they could actually play the stuff live as well too, but I loved that like alien kind of sound when it came to it. Yeah. Because, like, yeah it's, why not? You like, can't comprehend why, it. Why put like, especially put when it comes to art. Yeah. Why put art. limits on it? Why put it on a box? Why put it in a box and say, no, you can't do this. Cause it's, it's just art. That's all it is. You know, like I, I think there's, uh, you know, people get caught up on shit like that when, um, they say like, like there's this sense of like, Oh, they, they can't do it. Like they can't play that way. So why are they doing it that way? But it's like, well, I mean, did they ever say they could play it that way? Like they just, they're trying to push boundaries and do something weird. Yeah, they're do doing something different cool. stuff. Now, yeah. should that any artist say, 
oh no, I can I can play like a thousand beats a, a second, and uh, that's really me. And then it, it's not really them. Yeah, yeah, fuck them. But uh, sure. <laughs> you know, if they're trying to, if they're like, yeah, we 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 did this because we wanted to fuck with it and just like do what we wanted to do. It's for us. We we know we're not saying we could do it or whatever. It's like, yeah, who cares? Who cares? But people get caught up on that shit and like, yeah, they're not yeah. into it. I think it's in the same vein where it's if you want to sound as authentic as possible as well too to like what actual musicianship is. Um, it's a aesthetic in its own that like has its own sound that um, brings its own flavor. Um, I remember um, I, I went to school um, uh, for uh, quote unquote video and audio production, and uh, my teacher in particular that was for mixing said that uh, the White Stripes no uh, no not White Stripes uh, Jack White in particular he wanted to record an entire album. Um, like it's like it was how he sounded live, and he was so adamant about being like, no, this needs to sound like exactly how I do live, and that's how they achieved it. And I think for that kind of um, achievement in its own, that's amazing that you were able to get to that kind of way. Um, but uh, people have different cups of tea. Um, for me, yeah. it's uh, yeah. like if you're able to like get a sound that to me sounds great in ways that humans are not able to actually do that. Um, hey, like, you, the end result speaks for itself. That's right. Yeah, does it totally. evoke, does it, does it evoke emotion from a listener? Then you have art. Yeah. So you're good. Um, I thought in Linkin Park, hybrid theory, but, so like I said, I, this was my first time really listening to this album. Um, listened to it on Spotify. Sounded good. It sounded real, like it sounded... As it, it could have been made today, it it truly did not, in my mind, sound like uh, the '90s or whatever, or the you know the yeah. early 2000s. It it just didn't. I was like, this could be made today, and I wouldn't know any different. Um, I thought it sounded really good for, especially back then. I thought, which was cool. Yeah, it's it's one where um, I, I'm I, I don't know how many times I listened to it before this episode, but. Uh, I, I pick on something where it's like, oh, yeah, I like this uh, because of this, and I like this because of this. And one thing is that um, I feel in, like, metal or, like, rock in general, um, one thing that I find very important that I find is very neglected in the mix sometimes is your bass and being able to read your bass within the mix. I think especially for modern listeners that are very much into hip-hop and, uh, and pop music, the bass is a very important part of it, especially when you're playing it at a larger kind of venue. And that is like one of the first and foremost kind of things that you can read in the mix, even more than the guitars in certain ways that you would listen to it. Um, and looking back at things like Metallica, uh, for example, like Metallica is a great band, but they have uh, certain albums uh, such as uh, Injustice for All, where you cannot read the bass whatsoever in the mix. Uh, and it's almost me, non-existent. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it, like it is non-existent. I've listened right. to it like I don't know how many times, and and like I, it's like, oh no, it's there. You just have to no, it's I I, I disagree. It's it's not there. Um, but also though, like when when you test something on like different sound systems, like if I'm going from like my car to my headphones or like just on my phone, um, if it could sound good on everything, then I think that's an amazing testament to the actual mixing of the thing, and uh, like for the. I, I feel that they had a, like a really good one as well too, if it's lasted for this long. Yeah. Yeah. The production value I think is, is really strong and it, it, it is sort of is like its own 
type of production, which I think really makes it stand out. I think that's sort of the thing to me that like makes it feel like it. Um, I hate to say it, but feel like it does hold up. You know, um, I hate not that I hate to say it because I'm 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 negative on Lincoln Park, but just because we haven't quite gotten to the question yet. You know, but like it um it totally like did its own thing in terms of like the mixing and the production because it was sort of towing this line between multiple genres and like doing new things and yeah like it it's crazy when i do like because i i only have memories from when i was like 12 to 14 about this album you know so like my opinions on music weren't necessarily shaped yet i didn't really know what i was doing i mean i'm 32 now i still don't really know what i'm doing in general you know what i mean so like it's like looking back on it you're like oh okay this was like I listened to this all the time because it was good, not just because I was 12 and I didn't know any better, you know? Right. It was like, it, it, it sort of reflected with me in that way, and going back and listening to it, I was like, oh, no, like, because Linkin Park sort of is a punching bag or was a punching bag for a long time. Maybe not necessarily now in 2020, but, like... I think in, that they, they still are. They still um, are, yeah. Um, right. yeah. I don't know, Mike Shinoda... Or Shin- Shenandoah? Shinoda? Shinoda. Shinoda. Yeah. Shinoda. Yeah. He's got quite uh, a name for himself right now. I I never knew that guy's name until oh, but you, but you a knew couple about of years him, ago. Because he started... He, his name started popping up as a remix artist for... Yeah. Um, he did something with uh, Deftones. He's doing yep. uh, a remix on the upcoming um, uh, Deftones Black Stallion remix album, which is like White Pony songs all done. Um, but whatever. Like clearly, he is like maintained uh, a musical trajectory. Like he never stopped. And artists no. also like him. And he is continuing to work with modern bands today. And people want to work with him and he wants to work with them. So like there's something there that like I don't think people are interested in making uh, Linkin Park into a punching bag, like, because he's maintained relevancy. Yeah, but I'm not talking necessarily in, like, the music community or, like, in terms of respect. I'm just talking, like, an easy joke, almost like like Nickelback is. In oh, a way. sure. Like, people are just like, oh, yeah, you know, they're sort of, you know, they're whatever. It's new metal. It's sold out like Linkin Park. It, people are quick. Not, I'm not saying it's deserving. It's yeah. not deserving at all, but it's just... Um, it. Lincoln it Park, happens. Lincoln Park is interesting, and Neil, I, I can see your face, so I'll say what I, I'll say, and you can uh, <laughs> correct me. But I, I think Lincoln Park, they had this album and the next Meteora, right? And those are both huge hits, huge albums, and people still go back to them and listen to them. I, granted, I don't really know like about anything that came after that. Uh, like, as far as I know, they could have just stopped, and Mike Shindo, Shinoda could have kept going, and, like, that's what people oh, yeah. know no, no, today. They, they, kept on, they kept on going for a while. Um, in fact, five I, albums. Some people would even argue that Minutes of Midnight is actually their best one, um, depending on your, like, your kind of stance with the band. And I think that there's, honestly, I think Minutes to Midnight was way ahead of its time, and I think that that album, I think, is a lot more influential on the, the modern rock landscape than anything else. Um, it was just such a genre tip, um, a genre switch for a lot of people. Um, but to, I, sorry, go on. Oh, so I was going to say, so then you think about like, uh, like Limp Biscuit totally fell off, right? Does that band even yeah. exist? I don't know. But Corn, Marilyn Manson, those, yeah. those bands, they kind of, as far as I know, make more or less the same music they made then. 
they make and if now. Not, they improved on it. They like, improved Corn, on it. Corn had a dubstep to like new metal stuff as well too. And uh, yeah. Marilyn Manson like has rode along the train for like oh god like any kind of thing that could even relate to like quote unquote rock or like hard rock or metal. Right, and then you think Deftones came out at this era, right? Yeah. And there's actually I got like a lot of Deftones vibes in um, <laughs> in this Hybrid Theory album, and then like look at Deftones, right? Like they they like were like we need to get rid of this new metal term, like we don't. Right. And yeah. they did, right? And and they survived because of it. Right. Absolutely. And there have yeah. been like I guess that's what I was kind of getting at is like Deftones get a lot of credit for that with every album they push boundaries on their latest album. They're always pushing it. They're sounding different than they did on the previous album. You granted, you don't hear that about Lincoln park, but maybe that's, I mean, to your, you mentioned that Minister midnight did make a huge swing in a different direction and people might say it's their best. So I don't, I guess I don't know, but I was yeah, thinking was... like Lincoln park corn, they had their huge hit and they still have their fans that they had from back then, but you don't seem to be, they don't seem to be collecting new fans as far as I could, get a get a sense i i, I think that might that could be the same with corn but i think lincoln park though through their entire base um like they, they changed their style quite a bit i think that they're you're always going to have your like well they changed their style quite a bit and i think that they still were able to maintain somewhat of a new fan base because they appealed to a, a lot different audiences with their later releases um they lost me completely but that's that's fine if you want to change your music up you want to change yeah. your style up then like hey do you do you um, but, um, I think with Lincoln Park though, um, even after like they came out with like their, like hell, they went like basically full electronic, uh, for some of their later releases, their live shows, they were still playing hybrid theory stuff uh, yeah. because that's a lot of why people came for them. They, they, sure. they, I think got the most popularity from that kind of stuff. And I think that's always going to follow a band like them. Uh, unless if you like are an artist that kind of transcends your time where you like are able to reinvent yourself like every like five or uh, seven years and still stay relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything else that we want to chat about in well, terms of, Oh, go ahead. So, so I will say uh, there are certain parts of that album that I have listened to that I feel don't hold up as well. Uh, and I think that, like, as I was listening to it, um, I think it was, like, the first time revisiting it where I realized, oh, this is a lot cheesier than I remembered. And I, I think, actually, like, I, In the End was one of their best singles. Uh, it was, like, their most prominent single. I hated The End. I Did I you hate it then that. or you hate it now? I hate it then and I still hate it now. Got it. Uh, it, it is I, definitely, like, overtly in your face kind of, like, Man, there's, um, yeah, I agree. It's 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 a pretty shallow song, I think. It's it, people. I think the criticism is for new metal. I think is it's really whiny, um, or it's like it's it's really kind of like with a mix of like being a little bit too like in your face with a bunch of also like whiny that I think people could kind of like see like yeah like we get it. Your mom didn't want you to give you Oreos when you were a kid, man. Like suck it up, it's fine. <laughs> While the emotions come from different ways, in the end is a song where I kind of feel like, uh, yeah, like it's not only like sonically does it not feel like as what I'm looking for for them, but I feel though that it it, it does feel a little bit more melodramatic than the others. Um, and I'm wondering if also like in the end is also the reason people like dog on them a lot, because I think that's the easiest target of like a song. I mean, like sure. that's, yeah, that's uh, not really like a, like my taste from there 
So the last song I did karaoke was In the End by Linkin Park. Nice. Fun. It's fun to do. It's a fun duet. You do it with someone else. You know, you do the singing. The other person does the rap parts. Former guest of the podcast, Matt Lockwood, him and I would do that every once in a while when I was living that's in San awesome. Diego. Yeah. Oh, that's so uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's cool. I that guess. sounds I like a know. no. That sounds like a fun karaoke song, though. It is a fun karaoke song. Yeah, because it's not like you're right. It's not the best song in the world, and I do think it probably has a lot to do with like the way that people made fun of them because it is. It is whiny, and uh, people are just people are mean, you know. People sort yeah. of get on a thing, and they uh, the, the sort of hive mentality of okay, we're all making fun of this now. This is the thing we're making fun of, and Linkin Park was that or is that uh, for some time. So, um, yeah, where are there tracks that like really stand out to you? Yes, um, for one reason or the other. Um, yeah. So the track that actually stands out to me the most um, is Runaway. Yeah. Um, and the reason is actually because um, when I was uh, seven, uh, my dad discovered uh, my mom was playing Lincoln Park. And he heard the song Runaway. And he was not happy about that. He, yeah. he, he thought that like that was not something that, uh, that a seven-year-old should be listening to uh, because it's going to make him think he's going to run away. Yeah. So... I like at the, at the honestly still now uh, I take a, a lot of people's opinions very seriously when it comes to things that I don't really know. And if I'm, if an adult authority figure is telling me like, Hey, this is a bad song. And I never heard of anything about, Oh, that's a bad song before. It's like, Oh wow, that probably is a bad song. So whenever I listened to hybrid theory, I intentionally skipped runaway because I thought that that was actually going to like corrupt me in a certain huh. way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And listening back to it, it's like, how would I have run away as a seven-year-old? Like, <laughs> right? I, 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 you wouldn't how would have I, gotten very far. How, like, you would have like, gone around the block and go, "Yeah, I don't really got a plan." Yeah, it's like, how, how do I afford rent? How, at first, I need to get a job, and there's no way I'm going to be getting a job at eight. <laughs> uh, like, how am I going to be able to get food? I'm probably not going to get food. I'm even going to like as well too. I don't even know how to cook. Uh, like it, it was just not like a feasible kind of thing for me to do and listen to the song like it's obviously metaphorical um unless if chester bennington wrote that when he was a kid and it's like okay like runaway is actually one of two songs i'm sorry one of three songs on hybrid theory to have been written by the original lead vocalist mark ah, Wakefield. Mark Wakefield, yeah. yes yeah yep and uh interesting about that as well too is that so recently the uh, Hybrid Theory came out with the 20th uh, anniversary edition. Yeah, and, that was a crazy uh, box set. I, I've, like, looked Jesus, at that box yeah. set just to look at it because it's, it's like, fucking bananas how much shit is in that box. Yeah, it's, like, not only does it give you, like, a bunch of other things, like, like different photos as well, too, and, like, you like it has, like, a track listing that, like, spans yeah, like nine like four hours. Yeah, yeah. it's, like, <laughs> nine discs. It's nine uh, CDs. It's multiple LPs because there's regular hybrid theory and then reanimator or reanimations yeah. in there yep and there's a there's, there's demos, a third lp there's rarities, there too. yeah yeah and you listening to the older older kind of stuff like pre-hybrid theory the the band sounded like it could have been a very different thing it, it actually sounds like a lot more generic new metal in my opinion than uh than the specific kind of style that lincoln park went down where they kind of went a lot more towards like the emotional kind of rock oriented kind of thing with new metal and it also brings a question to me where uh, I'd actually like to ask you guys this. Um, so you hear a lot of Mike Shinoda rapping, and it's very different than how he did in Hybrid Theory. 
Do you guys think that hybrid theory Mike Shinoda is a good rapper? Uh, it's I very know. like it's no. No, not a good rapper. No. It does it fit the music? Yes. It's very much like um maybe say like it doesn't seem very well thought out. The 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 rhymes are very simplistic. You know, it's very like A B A B A B sort of stuff. A lot of rhymes at the end of lines. Um, and I also think that he benefits from the fact that they do trade off a lot between the rapping and the singing. That he doesn't need to necessarily put together sixteen or thirty-two bars. He puts together maybe four or eight bars. You know, and then he sort of goes away, and Chester comes back in. You know, so like when I specifically think of like the rap verses in in the end. They're so they're so basic. <laughs> they're so basic. It's unbelievable. You know, very simple. Why try? Um, yes. <laughs> I think he. I think he's a good music. I think he's a great musician, and I think he sure. understands um, music super well. And that's why, like, you know, Justin. I don't think he's going to listen to this. I don't think we need to be worried about offending <laughs> him. No, no, no. I do no. think he's a good producer, and yeah, obviously, like, that's what I think has. He's, but has I has worked I, with legends and all of that, but yeah, I don't. He's I don't know if he's rapper. the best uh, rapper by any means, but he. Must I know, be. I know, he's not the best rapper. I will go out. Oh on sure, him sure, but and I say he's not the best rapper. But I just mean like, it's not he. Whatever he's doing though, people respect because he works with everyone in the music yeah. industry in all yeah. kinds of music, the top of the best of the best in all kinds of, of styles and genres want to work with him. So no one, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you think about Vanilla Ice as a rapper <laughs> and you're like, fuck him, right? Like people just like, he's not a good rapper. He is like a white boy trying to do something he shouldn't do. And like, that's that. Like no one feels that, you know, I, I don't think anyone thinks that way about Mike Shinoda. Well, like, I think it's I, more complicated than that. Like you don't, like, maybe working with Mike Shinoda is an absolute dream, you know? Maybe he's, like, you know, that's what I like to think, is, like, he's probably really great to work with. He's probably a great collaborator, and that's yeah. why it goes a lot further than just what we know as people listening, like, 10 steps separated from him. We don't know him as a person. I'm not trying to, like, discredit his creativity or anything, but, like, he's definitely not on my top 50 of rappers, you know what sure. I mean? Like, he's yeah. not. he's far from that. When you just look at it, in that sense of like being a a rapper, being a lyricist and rapping. He's not like he's not at the top. But that doesn't say anything about like the rest of his career and his talents or anything like that. Yep. Yeah. So the reason I also bring that up though is because um I don't actually know the answer to that question because I can't ever objectively look at it anymore. Um because he was the person who exposed me to hip hop. He was the person who exposed yeah. me to, to rapping. So that. do you listen to his other stuff, like that Fort Minor? Fort Minor, yes. Yeah. yeah I, I still cannot too. tell you if he's good or not. I, I don't I don't know. It is like physically impossible for me to give an opinion because like it's it's like ingrained in my mind that like that is how it should sound. And I, I will say this, like listening to reanimation he's outclassed in certain parts, um, especially um, against uh, Jurassic Five. Um, yeah, but... Jurassic Five and like the Black Thought song. Black Thought, I think, yeah. like absolutely destroy, like yeah. not destroys him in a way where yeah, they're, and, and they're like, battling, it's... but 
Yeah, he's, they're not battling, and like, it, there yeah. definitely comes from like a respect from like the fact that yes. he, they're on there as well too. Plus, Mike Shinoda even produced like half of those um, like yeah. remixes as well too. Yeah, right, which is um, so cool. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's a thing. I I still I can never like un- like come up with an objective thing like is he good or not? Uh, and I I don't think I ever will. That's okay. You can decide not to decide. I guess because it's not like you're even saying like you think he's great. You're just like you know what I it's. It's beyond my even my capability to judge yeah. him now because it's so, you've just known it for so long. I mean, this yeah. album came out 22 years ago, you know? Or yeah, 20 years 20. ago. What year is it? What year is it? It's 2020. 2020. Wow. Almost, almost this year's almost over. 2021's going to be way better. It's going to be better. I hope. You so. know everyone says that it's not oh. going to. Uh, it's going to uh, suck. Yeah, it's going to be just as bad. Um so yeah, I think now, like I think now's a good time to sort of pose the question, Neil. What do you like? What do you think? Because I'm not even necessarily sure I'm clear on what you think of this album, whether or not you think it like holds up. What do you think? So I've, I've even googled it, um, <laughs> being like, okay, how how does this album like kind of transcend the times? And uh, I th- I think like for the most part, um, if you would say like has this album still lasted when it comes to the musical landscape. Um, when it comes to like how this has influenced things. Um, I would suggest that like, if you want to look at like a modern example of what, like what a modern look apart could be, there's this artist called ghost main. Who's a rapper that like in, uh, incorporates like every kind of like elements into things. I would say that, that like it started with Lincoln park in a lot of other kind of ways. And as much as they were clowned on as much as like, uh, they could still seem a little cringy in certain kind of ways. Um, I think that the majority of the people that like, listen to that album back in the day that enjoyed it like it still sticks with them to this day for a lot of people and to me it still sticks away from that nostalgic kind of reason but i it's not going to be the first thing that i'm going to be picking up anytime soon though um and i'm not sure if it's because i listened to the album too much but uh like the breakdown of one step closer it used to be like my jam or like it like got my blood boiling and stuff where it's like, yeah, let me just hear just some sort of aggression in order to get things going. And I think as a, um, it was a great, um, gateway to stuff. But for me, like I, I like listening to music that in that like invokes like a very like heavy, dark kind of animalistic, uh, emotion. And that album it does not do that to me anymore. And I guess I wish that it made me feel like a kid again. Um, but I'll always look fondly at it. And I think that um, there's many things to say about it when it comes to what it did do for music. What a well thought out, uh, like non-biased answer, you know, <laughs> it's nice. It's it nice is. To hear. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I cannot stress enough. Like, like it's very easy to get into like uh, elitism, especially with metal, especially with metal. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's no like one way to enjoy something and there is no one way where, um, someone does enjoy something. Um, I just know what I like to a point so much that it's just kind of like, yeah, that let, let me do that instead of like, uh, well, maybe I could enjoy it. Maybe I could like force myself to like, maybe appreciate this more. I'm done with that. I can't appreciate things that I automatically don't click with me. Justin, how do you feel about it? Something you've never listened to before. I liked it. I, uh, I thought it was, um. It was it was not the punching bag album that I had it as in my mind, and I think if you, I'm sure most people have listened to it, but if you're like me and it just somehow got past you and you're kind of like into music, I think you should go back to it and give it a listen because you'll probably find something that you like on it. 
Yeah, I would say, I guess I would say initially, I would say it does hold up. It's not necessarily music that is still like being made in that sort of way, like hold up, like where the, that the genre is still like as strong as it was then. But I will say, like because it's less than forty minutes long. There were a couple of tracks that I thought were a little bit like sleepier and I was like, oh, let's just get to the next one. But that's just sort of how I feel a lot of the times when it comes to like ballads on metal or metal centric albums. Like I'm like, just get me to the next track. I want something fast. I want something that makes my heart beat. You know what I mean? Like so there were a couple tracks like that, but I also did like enjoy like I mean, I enjoy in the end. I know it's like a corny song, but like I like I mean, I'm a fool. And I, I like I, sort I of. I think karaoke, though, like that's a beautiful way to express <laughs> that song. Yeah, and it, I think that has something to do with it too. That I sort of have those memories associated with it, right? And that was like a very like sort of silly thing that we would do. You know, like we'd be out with with other people, and people would be doing that, and we would like sign each other up for that song. So like that sort of harkens back to that same sort of feeling. But um, yeah, I, I'm not necessarily going to go back and like listen to it a bunch, but it wasn't um, it wasn't hard to listen to by any means, you know. So in that regard, I will say that it, it does hold up. But um, yeah, not my like number one choice or anything. I do think that I'm going to go and listen to that minutes minutes, minutes to, midnight to midnight because Rick Rubin helped produce that, which I think yeah. is really cool. So, um, but I don't think I've listened to much of that. So maybe I'll do a little bit of Lincoln Park exploring, watch some more music videos. And um, I'm sure my wife will be like, okay, enough of the uh, in the end music video, John. You've watched this five times in the past couple of days. Uh, okay, okay, I understand. Uh, well, but yeah, I think it was funny more than in the end. They came up with like yeah. a thousand of those. They had so many. Yeah, four singles for that album alone, and like, yeah, yeah, that's that really did. It really did bring them to the mainstream, and they continued to grow from them. And like, people still talk about them, whether negatively or not. So I think that is saying something, you know. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll have a, a toasted snack from the freezer. I like how I, you know, I'm always trying to figure out a way to tease the, the snack. A toasted whatever, snack but, from the uh, freezer? I mean, it's a breakfast, uh, a breakfast delight. It's a breakfast delight, and we will be right back with Neil Giuliano. Hey, John, did you hear we got a new sponsor? Yeah, Justin, I heard. Uh, you were telling me just the other day. Why don't you remind the listeners what you were telling me? Yeah, so Unknown Arts T-shirt Company out of Burlington, Vermont is our new sponsor. Yeah, that's cool. You can find them. You were telling me you can find them all over social media at Unknown Arts, right? That's they also right. Have a, they have a website, unknownartstudios.com. But more right. importantly, their Etsy shop, right? Yes. So Etsy.com slash shop slash Unknown Arts. And from there, they have tons of T-shirts and shirts and other apparel that have custom designs made by artists uh, all over Vermont. And I think of, uh, you know, all over the country. Um, and if you use our code, hold up five, yep. H O L D U P five, you get $5, five off right. your order. Yeah. And uh, like, I'm wearing a cool shirt right now that they gave us. It's so nice. It's very soft. It's very comfortable. Um, yeah. Great, great shirts. Check them out on Etsy. Use that code. Hold up five, the number five, not the word five. Correct. And yeah. Get, get $5 off your next t-shirt over at, Etsy.com slash shop slash unknown arts. And we're back. And he hold, as he holds up, he's trying to pose for a picture. Oh, yeah. What time is it? it? So I know what time it was. Oh, um, at 121. What time is it? 
Oh, okay. Yeah. You're saying it out loud. Is this, does this method work for you? You've only done this a couple times. Uh, it's been great. Oh, because okay. I say it out loud, I remember exactly where it is, and I find the photo like that. Perfect. Well, we're back here with Neil. We were, talk- Link- we were talking about Linkin Park in the first segment. Now we are back. Neil, what are we snacking on? We are snacking on Eggo waffles. Yes. Lego my Eggo. Oh, wow. What a classic. What a great, great slogan. Lego my Eggo. Right. Frozen waffles owned by the Kellogg Company and sold only in North America, which seems. Really? Yeah. I feel like no other country would, would want these. They like. Well, they also don't care about breakfast in other countries. That's a wild statement. It's true, though. There's like. 92 countries or something, right? Listen, outside of the United States, breakfast is not the big sugary treat that it is here. Waffles... Okay. Well, it's not sugary, but it's big. It's like, big. Like, oh, like breakfast is like many things of, that are not sugary. You, you ever heard of Belgian waffles? Where do you think those are from? <laughs> well, they have Belgian waffles. They don't need Eggos. Uh, okay, but you're, sort, you're contradicting yourself. You'd realize that, right? Like, you just said... Breakfast wasn't big, but then there's Belgian waffles. Like Look, Sweden is big on pancakes, and there's like Stroop waffles, like all oh, over like, waffles Europe. All right, well, yeah. you know what? Other countries like breakfast. I, I don't really okay, want thank you. Me. Yeah, there thank we you. go. Um, all right, but Neil, like you know, fuck. Who cares about fucking other countries? <laughs> We're here. That's a very uh, uh, that's United very States American mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very yeah. Um, We're here to talk frozen waffles. We toasted them up before. Um, you sort of said dealer's choice in terms of uh, what, like what were to put on them. But how did you doctor your waffles for tonight's episode? So I have not had Eggo waffles um, since I was I, probably a kid, um, or wow. like maybe like a late teen. Um, yeah, uh, my 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 tastes have evolved a lot from then. But uh, when I was a kid, um, I was a really picky eater, and I also traveled a lot. Um, and I had, uh, to go to like multiple families, households and stuff. And I was such an asshole of a kid that I needed the same two things with Eggo waffles in order to get the taste that I liked. And that yep. was Aunt Jemima light syrup, specifically Boom. the light. That's what I had. And I agree. No way. <laughs> well, I, I actually uh. don't like other syrup at this point. No way. Oh, yeah. wow. That, like garbagey. Oh light. my God. Aunt Jemima. It's so thin. And just generally, like, it could be store brand, but it's light store brand. Yeah. Um, like, I, that is far and away now my preference of syrup because of that's what I, we had growing up. Gotcha. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's that's what we had as well, too. Um, I'm not sure why. Uh, it was definitely not, like, my decision. Um, but uh, it was just like, nope, this is the taste I'm familiar with, so it needs to be this exact kind of thing. It did have to be Aunt Jemima, though. Um, <laughs> it, it couldn't be a generic one because, uh, like, I would, I would tell. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a difficult kid. Uh, and the other thing was, um, I can't believe it's not butter. Uh, oh, okay. For the butter. Yeah. And I think the only reason for that is because my mom just did not have the patience for like getting a stick of butter to spread things. And like, I can't believe it's not better. It's just so much easier to just stick a, a knife in. Um, but uh, so I'll show this on camera as well, too, though. Uh, obviously, you can't see it in the actual podcast, but there's actually a specific way that I always cut the wobbles. Oh, as well too. Like oh interesting. This. And I, div- I cut. So the, like re- I oh, took go ahead. 
I took the so the edges off. It's like so if you look at the waffle, it is like the waffle's a circle. Well, I took um, the far uh, left, the far right, the top and the bottom off in order to have a middle that was a square. And right. that middle is like the holy grail of flavor. Uh, it was the holy grail of flavor because that's where the majority of the syrup and the butter was conjugating. Uh, where the edges, they were just like, nah, they're not taking enough of the of the flavor. So it needs to kind of go on the side like over there. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of like a kid with like wanting to cut off their crust, crust. mentality. Yeah. Sort of, yes, right? I believe yes. that that was exactly. I, I, I liked my crust on my sandwiches when I was a kid, yeah. um, but it was like my egos for some reason. Um, the other thing is that um, when I was younger also as well, too, um, like if I'm going to like somebody's uh, like if I'm going to like a relative's house or if I'm, uh, uh, for example, like just like staying in and uh, I wake up a lot more before my mom, and my dad. Then my brother and I are pretty much making our own breakfast, and we we had no idea how to cook. Uh, so it was just easy just to, like, just, like, oh, yeah, they're just going to make their own Eggos, and they'll be okay for the day. Um, yep. So that's why I chose this, because, honestly, other foods that I had when I was a kid, I still eat today. Like, my favorite food is actually cranberry sauce, and I have loved cranberry sauce unconditionally ever since. Um, but Eggos, nah, not had this since I was a kid, and... Uh, how is it? In. Yeah. yeah. Justin, when was the last time you had an Eggo? Uh, similarly, not since... I couldn't tell you when I truly stopped having them, but I could have had them right through senior year of high school because they were definitely... Before I could, like... If I could still have breakfast... I stopped eating breakfast once I left high school and I started, like, living on my own in college. I didn't eat breakfast anymore. And if I didn't eat breakfast anymore, I... I don't know. I I think so. When I last had Eggos was definitely high school or earlier, and I would do kind of all the same things that that Neil just mentioned. I didn't necessarily. I would cut the whole Eggo as soon as they were done cooking. I would put on the plate and cut the whole thing, and then I would syrup the whole because that way I wanted to feel like they were getting on the most amount the syrup to get on the most amount of waffle. You know, they yeah, probably... more surface area. Yeah. It'd probably be crispier that way as well, too, because um, you're not letting the syrup sink in as much. So it's not going to be uh, taking the crispness out of it. They um, definitely get soggy, and I love that. I love when Eggos get so soggy in syrup that they're just, like, eating. It's Really, it's about the Eggo being a syrup delivery mechanism. Absolutely. Butter and syrup. How do I get this butter and syrup to my taste buds? An Eggo is a good way of doing it. And... Relatively simple, like Neil mentioned. Throw them in the toaster, throw them in the toaster oven. Especially if you have that, I can't believe it's not butter. It's easy to spread, <laughs> right? Like, Oh, yeah. I well, love waffles. I snack on waffles, not necessarily Eggos. There's, like, this, like, very 2020 Kodiak, like, protein waffles that um, I enjoy. But, like, waffles I've had sort of recently, um, much more recently than either of you guys, I think. And interestingly enough... Uh, I know this is a bit dated, but in, in June of 2009, Eggo had a 69% share of the frozen waffle market in the United States. 69%. It's actually not surprising, I, I can say. I it's not thought, surprising. I would have thought higher. What else Because is that's really what you think of is that yellow, bo- right? It's that yellow box yeah. with the red lettering. Uh, it's like the same lettering as Kellogg's itself, but they just spell out Eggo. And um, I feel like it hasn't, really changed the marketing the colors haven't really changed over the course of my lifetime at least 
And they have a lot more than just waffles, right? They have pancakes, they have French toast, they've got like egg and cheese breakfast sandwiches and like ham and sausage sandwiches and so many different things. As a kid, we went through a phase as a me so me and my brother, we were both all about Eggo waffles. Like they were definitely a staple for like a long time. And it got to the point where my mom would buy like the BJ sized boxes because we were going through you know, like we'd go through like a normal frozen food box between me and my brother in two days. Cause like we'd probably each yeah. eat four waffles. Um, yeah. that, and that's so me and my brother too. Yeah. So then it got to the point where we started getting, do you remember when Ego made the mini waffles? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You brought either came in four for each that go in the toaster. You broke them apart. So good. Yeah. So then it was like, Oh, and any given, like we'd eat 24 though. Like, I mean, it's the same fucking amount of waffles, but there was like, this idea of eating those was fun for some reason because they were small. But we yeah, just like, cut them up and put syrup on them. So what's the difference? Like, it's never like you could tell once you cut them and they were heated well, up. Well, you, you could you can, uh, have each one of them differently. So you have one that's neutral with nothing on it, then one with syrup, one with butter, and then with syrup and butter. So there you, you, go. you like get that. like a full package. I would do that's cinnamon cool. sugar sometimes on the, you know, uh, if you want to switch it up. Um, Ooh, I don't know nice. if we can go that far, but I also think <laughs> that... Um, you know, like, waffles also were present in, like, Stranger Things recently. So I yeah. think that sort of got them to be a little bit... Maybe that's when I, we sort of started buying Eggos again more in, in my household. And we would just, like, have them because of Stranger Things, which seems like a... Wow, marketing really worked on me, big old <laughs> dummy. But um, they are... They're super easy to make. And like you said, they're just delivering sweets. Now... Let me ask you guys, how many Eggos did you make? Did everyone make two Eggos? Tonight, made, right now, two. Yeah. I two? made two. Um, in all honesty, after this, I, I think I'm probably going to make another batch. <laughs> I was, I didn't necessarily think about it. I threw two in the toaster oven, and then I was like, why did I make two? But two <laughs> is just what you make. It's what you make. It's yeah. just like, why would I make one? I'm going to make two, and I'm going to have both oh, of them. Oh, as in you would consider making just one opposed yeah. to just I didn't even. I, I did not even consider putting just one in the toaster oven. I've I never considered two, that in my life. Two's the deal, right? Even yeah. though, like, this is, an, this is not a meal for me. I'll I be ate, honest. I ate earlier, you know? Here's, here's my thought on one. The amount of work that goes into this in, between heating it up and then putting syrup on it, cutting it, you're going to do that for two. One, the waffles are just not big enough to warrant doing all of that work, quote, for one. Yeah, work is definitely in quotes here, my friend. Yeah. It's very easy. Now, it doesn't look like, Neil, that you're pouring light Aunt Jemima on, are you? No, I'm not for this one. So I decided to do Aunt Jemima, I can't believe it's not butter, for one. Um, but the other reason I haven't had these in a long time is that because my brother actually got himself a waffle maker sometime, uh, like a few years ago. Ooh. And it's like, yeah, there's no, I'm going to have that goes if he has a waffle maker. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, uh, but also since then as well too, though, um, I think, uh, I was like, I was like 19 years old, maybe 20. Um, I did a wedding. And uh, it was, like, my first ever wedding that I shot. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a cinematographer, by the way, and back in the day I was doing, like, videography. Um, and uh, the wedding that we did was a Vermont couple whose uh, mother's side had a maple syrup business. So oh, wow. It was like, hey, uh, you want some maple syrup at the end as a party gift? And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Well, I'd love Aunt Jemima Light, so th this should be pretty <laughs> close. And then... 
and ever since it was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, because there, there's a lot of great syrup out there, and I think that's sort of like more artisan, more like local farm syrup has become a lot more present, um, like in in grocery stores and stuff that you're not just like rele- uh, relegated to like Mrs. Butterworth or Aunt Jemima or some other oddly racist stereotype for <laughs> syrup, which is terrible. Like, why are they both like whatever? The, I think those things might be changing. Hopefully they are. I, but, I think Aunt Jemima is actually changing the rebranding. I think they are too. Yeah, something or they're at least like removing the spokesperson. Oh, um, interesting. Uh, I thought it was a whole uh, redo. Maybe no. You could be right. Um, but like you know, there are a lot more. Just like especially where we are living in New England, there's like you know people make syrup everywhere, not just Vermont, but like I you know you just see people like that tap maple trees around here and there's oh, like local yeah. farms that sell it and so there's a lot more options a lot more better options um if you're willing to sort of divert from that aunt jemima light lifestyle now <laughs> i don't know if justin is ready for that how do you feel about that justin so uh let's put it this way i Uh-oh. had both kinds of syrup in the fridge yep right now for this podcast and I only you had Aunt Jemima Light and you had some bougie some, Vermont in the shape of a maple leaf cake, like glass bottle. <laughs> yes, a glass bottle. And Maybe it has a handle on it. Yeah, and I had no interest in that. Partially because wow. I think that syrup goes so. You pour it out, and like it's already like the whole bottle's gone. But it's a amount- thick bottle. It's there's not much. It makes it seem like there's way more. Yeah, I have and a so, bottle that looks a lot like Neil's. Yeah. Yeah, and so for the it amount that much of me. Part of what I enjoy about eating any kind, like pancakes or waffles or French toast even, is I like having this layer of syrup on the plate that then I scrape up with my <laughs> fork and just wow slurp it up. So I are you gonna? When are you gonna do that? I already have been doing it. Oh okay, cool. Um, but yeah, so I I just really love the syrup, and yeah, syrup is great. Yeah, so but like it's liquid sugar. Uh, and so, yeah, I, it's really, I just feel like you get more out of the uh, the shitty light syrup than you do from, like, a nice fancy bottle. And so, I think that's part of the reason. It's like, oh, I just bought like this a nice better, thing and it's already gone. Yeah, better bang for your buck, for sure. Yeah, you know? I, I agree syrup, with that. Syrup can um, get expensive. It, yeah. I definitely agree with that, but I'm in heaven right now with this like, yes. good-ass Vermont maple syrup that I spent 15 bucks on, man. Like, Yeah, I, it's so I, good. <sighs> I'm it's next level and also also like the the butter also as well too I decided to actually get like um uh uncured uh butter from Vermont as well because uh uh I went to Ireland one time on accident wow. and uh wait we, you went to Ireland on accident yeah it was yeah so uh I, I went to Paris um, also on accident York. Yeah, no. Paris was Paris was 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 for real. Paris was on. Is this some sort of like Mr. Bean scenario where like you got on a plane by accident and you you flew across a, an ocean? Uh, well, we, we so we got on a plane on purpose, but we missed the the other plane we were supposed to get on purpose, and yep. this plane was not coming back until uh, three days after we were supposed to you know catch it again. Um, mm-hmm. So we end up being stuck in Ireland for uh, three days. Um, but uh, so we ended up sightseeing and we went to this one place that was near a castle and it was like this, uh, this little like a, uh, like a uh, bar and grill kind of thing. And it was actually on a dairy farm. So they actually oh, had cool. their, they, they, they had their own dairy. And also for those who are not familiar, who are U S natives uh, who ever go to uh, be the UK or like go to any kind of European place, um, things like milk and 
uh, like even just like produce and stuff, it tastes very different because yeah. we have different standards for how we uh, create our like products and stuff. So uh, I, that I do not know and I am definitely not an advocate for, but it tastes different. Um, sure. And uh, I had this uh, this ice cream there. And it's like, dude, you got to try this thing. It's like, I don't, I don't know. How good could this be? And it's like, tasted a little bit of it. Right then and there, my taste buds are now, like, completely favored to, like, straight from a cow kind of dairy kind of products. Um, and I, I I cannot go back. Um, it's it's such a, a an important thing to me, like, to be able to, like, taste, like, legitimately, like, fresh cream or, like, anything, like, fresh um, from a cow. It's It's a whole different level. So you get this butter from like a local farm or a farm stand or something like local that? Local farm. Yep, local farm yeah. stand. Nice. Yeah. It's the the you spend so much more money. It sucks. Um <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh and like uh, sometimes I I think I tr- when it comes to butter in particular, I think I psych myself up too much. Uh but uh t- if if it's like something like I'm looking out for the taste, it makes such a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I I'm not necessarily in the same I don't really eat that much dairy or like drink that much milk, but it is so much better when you get it from like a source like that, like a local farm. I mean, everyone knows that. I don't know why I'm, you know, it's like closer to farm to table, you know, it's just more direct, less, less of a middleman. Less and processing. Sure it might be, yeah. Less processing. Like, yeah. So mm. I think that is like, I've, I've never really had, like, what did you call it? Did you call it like, like uncultured butter? What did you call it? It's on the, the packaging. I think it's supposed to be. Shit, this is cultured butter. Cultured butter, that's what it is. Yeah. I said uncultured. I don't know what that No, I don't know. I don't think you did. I think I might be putting okay. words in your mouth. Either gotcha. way, it's funny. I, I could it, also it's... Be totally be wrong as well too. But Col- so cultured butter, that means it only watches Wes Anderson movies and yes. like drinks out of pint glasses or something. I don't know what cultured. Why what am I saying? Uh, it, it probably uh, has watched a few Wes Anderson movies on its own. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I I I have no clue about how this stuff is made. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have no clue what the process is whatsoever. Um, but is if, but I can taste it. Um, you like it. Yeah. Um, and it, it could, I could be because like, I'm just psyched the hell up. And it's like, if somebody says like, Hey, you want this? Like, Hey, we, we just got the syrup from backyard. Cause we have a maple tree. Um, yeah. If you tell me that I'm most likely going to think it's the best thing ever. And I'm going to not think anything of it, but I I'm okay with this placebo because I'm living a happier life. Having these tastes in my mouth right now. <laughs> Yeah. So how did it how did it treat your egos? Did it treat treat them well? Dude, it's oh god, it's like oh, it's so good. I I I have never experienced this thing with egos before and it's like I I have no idea why uh why I ever like enjoyed Aunt Jemima Light so much. Uh, um Oh god, like do dude, you, I Do you think you're going to keep buying egos now? No, in fact, so actually I one of the other reasons I don't uh I, I don't eat eggs in general because for breakfast I actually eat like eggs or like some sort of protein. I try not to have like any kind of like a like pure just bread for breakfast because yeah. uh, I end up just getting too like uh, bloated, and that's not how I want to start the morning. Um, I'm treating this as if I just got some candy. And yeah, yes. it's like a dessert. I, this is Same. a dessert. Yeah. I have I have like uh, eight more pieces of candy with this candied maple syrup and some candy butter that i'm going to eat <laughs> yeah literally all tonight most likely and um <laughs> not regret a single bite of it 
Yeah, Neil, you are no stranger to food challenges and eating a good amount of food. If that's something I've learned from working with you, you do like to go. You do like to go in on which I totally can appreciate. And if we weren't living in some sort of like horror hellscape that we're living in now, where we can't see each other in person, I think we'd be doing some food challenges. You know. Um, oh God, I'm. We've, yeah. I'll yeah. Who can eat? Who can eat a box of Egos faster? That that would be my. I'd be wow. down for that. Do they do they, Is toasted or non toasted? Toasted. Okay, like I'm up for that. Oh yeah, I'm totally up for that. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. It. It's yeah. it's sure. I guess you could toast them all at once, but I feel like I wouldn't. I feel like I well, would. Well, like you'd like, have to toast them and then like have them down, and it's like okay, here's your cooked egos, three, two, yeah. one, go. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I. You'd have to do like a like here's a stack of eight or here's yeah. eight plates or something. Yeah, like, I like, like that. Well, like because it's like bread though, you could probably just take like all all of them, smush them together, and just go like hum. Okay, like, this, see could, this guy, <laughs> he does so he knows. This is, he's already strategizing, and I'm, if this is a real thing, I'm already intimidated, because... I, <laughs> I need to, um, I need to prep, probably, because uh, uh, quarantine is not helping when it comes to watching the weight, um, so it'll yeah. probably be like, okay, so we want to do this thing, and I learned the other day from you, actually, John, that, uh, that, so I thought that you have to starve yourself in order to uh, make sure you can fit the most capacity, because uh, for those Rhode Island natives, um, this one time I tried to eat an entire um, uh, Fellini's Thanksgiving pizza, um, for that, it is basically uh, mashed potatoes on dough with gravy and turkey, dipping in some cranberry sauce, um, and it's amazing. Uh, but eating a full thing was a thing that uh, defeated me. Um, I mean, it's a you big mean like pizza a full pie or a slice. A f- full no, pie. a full pie, a full Fellini's pizza. Which, for those of you who know, it's a big, it's a big pie, big, large, extra large, and then with all these toppings on it. It sounds delightful, but heavy. Yes, (laughs) I and I feel defeated because I wasn't able to eat the whole thing. But then I found out uh, from talking to you, John, that uh, certain competitive eaters, they actually expand their stomach before they go on a a contest. uh, Yeah, that's like part of the training. So now that I know that, unfortunately, I'm ruined now because uh, I'm going to have to do that. uh, You're going to try again. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to have some friends with the gym uh after all this is over but uh uh yeah i'm down with trying something like that though yeah food competitions are fun i will you know i think like i i love doing dumb stupid stuff like that we could do egos i want wanted to do like a chicken nugget power hour you know oh that sounds good a nugget a minute for an hour see if you can get through 60 nuggets in an hour or something to that effect um Mm. Yeah, it's always fun to do silly competitions to sort of uh, test yourself but torture yourself at the same time, you know? Um, Are you familiar with Major League Eating? Yes, I am. So interesting. Why don't you inform some of our guests about it, our listeners about it? So Major League Eating is a organization like, for example, like the NBA, the National Basketball Organization. Uh, It's basically a sport of just competitive eating. And... uh, it's a thing where people are most probably familiar with it because of the uh, annual 4th of July uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Championship, where on 4th right. of July, the uh, most prolific competitor e- competitive eaters in the world try to eat as much hot dogs as possible. Kobayashi, uh, shame. For Kobayashi. Shame. Kobayashi. What a disaster. Uh, got a, he, okay, legend, though. He was the pioneer. He was. He, he made it mainstream. Joey Chestnut yeah. is probably the greatest of all time. Um, it's it, it like 
yes, but it does it hurt sometimes to see him win every single time? Not gonna lie, yes. But they don't just do that though. They do multiple contests though. Uh, and I was actually, um, last year in Providence, was able to witness a uh, pretzel eating contest. Oh. Uh, it is amazing. I love it. It's now, like, do they use some of the same methods of, like, dunking in water when it yes. comes to eating pretzels? That's what I imagine. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you, you dunk it in water. Um, they the, Even as well, too, they even have, like, somebody who has not done it before that was on stage in order to kind of keep with everybody else as well, too, to kind of show yeah. the, the, the strength of it. But, yeah, so, like, you... Um, from what I, I was, I, I was filming it, so I was not like paying complete attention. But from what I was able to gather, is that yes, like you dunk the whole pretzel in water when it gets to that kind of point. But you don't need to start with that though, from what I understand, like because yeah. you you kind of want to like not have as much in your system when you go down. Um, sure. I believe the winner. I, I know I'm getting this number wrong, but I believe the winner was like 26 in uh, 15 minutes. Wow. And for just like pure like dough and carbs, that's uh, yeah, that's a hell of a that's lot. That's a lot. That's heavy. Yeah, that is super heavy. But this person yeah. though, he was way in the lead though. Like he was like he was like like god tier when it comes to numbers though. The, the average was probably around like ten or like uh, twelve when it came to the other competitors. That's that's really cool. That, I would love to like witness something like that. Yeah, major league eating. Uh, they have like the top fifty like competitive eaters on their website, and of course you know the aforementioned Joey Chestnut. He's like. Number one, he's like right in the front of the page. And this, what it says about him, it says, perched atop the food chain is the apex predator himself, Joey Chestnut. What a stupid wow. name. Stupid yeah, name. Joey Chestnut. Yeah, so uh, also, I, I wish I knew this guy by name, but the person who basically is like the champion of this is also the host of the events. He's this Australian guy. And yep. I think he like makes this stuff up on the spot. Like, like that description sounds like it came straight from his mouth. When, when oh this, really? When this guy is on a stage, oh my god, he can work a crowd. He so he's like the host, but he also does the eating. No, he doesn't do any of the eating. He's the oh host. gotcha. He's like gotcha. he's like the he's like the MC of the event. Um, Understood. And like he shows up in like this like amazing top hat and like basically gives like uh, introductions for every single uh, major league eater that comes on stage as well too. Uh, it's it, it's it's marvelous and i think like he in general he makes the whole thing worth it just seeing this guy like just like come up and like command your presence because most people when they see this for the first time it's like oh it's a hot dog eating contest it's a pretzel eating contest and then this guy is about to show you like no this is the greatest fucking thing you're ever going to see in your lifetime man right right really hypes it up yeah well speaking of hyping it up uh neil do you think ego waffles and with either of your syrup options, <laughs> hold up. Man, it's like candy for me. Uh, like, is it as good as a real waffle? Well, okay, like like a like a fluffy waffle. Is it as good like as what diner? you remember from being a kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It's yeah. It, it's it was like just like a really like kind of quick like uh, feel good kind of thing to snack on that like wasn't a meal. I don't know how I treated that as a meal when I was a kid. Well, you'd probably know, eat right? more than two. That's at least probably if you were like me, you ate more than two. I, I did that at times, but not for breakfast. Like if it was like it was like dinner time, and it's like, hey, what do you want for dinner? And it's like, no one's giving me any free reign. I oh, know. I'm sorry. I'm getting free reign for whatever I want for dinner. Right. Whatever I can find in the freezer is what I'm going to have for dinner. Um, but uh, yeah, like my brother to this day still eats them. Um, not this probably the same way. I don't think the same exact way though. And 
it's just like a just just like quick thing just to fill you up and it's it tastes good enough um yeah maple syrup though like i'm yeah this is going by by tomorrow it's probably going in like the next like 30 minutes or so like (laughs) yeah that's a given thing uh but yeah i I, that was that was pleasant that was so pleasant yeah what did you think i enjoyed mine i definitely think it holds up i i love waffles i think they're great same i'm not really eating them for breakfast i'm not a big breakfast guy myself but yeah a little bit little midday snack or after dinner snack absolutely waffles with syrup any sort of iteration of that um i'm not too too picky but i think egos egos are you know i mean they hold that sort of market percentage for a reason and it's a little bit like a monopoly but at the same time <laughs> they're solid they're good and they were they've been good for a long time they were good yeah it was very good i i think it holds up i mean it was a really enjoyable um snack yeah. to eat right now i do think they seemed um thinner or like even less <laughs> Uh, I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, well, you know, they, they eventually came out with the, the thick ones, though. They did. Sure. Yeah, they yeah, do so thick maybe, and fluffy. Maybe that's yeah. what thick I should fluffy. try next yeah. time. Because I felt like I was cutting, I had toasted it, and I was cutting it, and I really wasn't cutting through anything. Oh, interesting. Um, it felt a little bit, could have been because they were too crispy, but uh, yep. I don't know. But, it, but that doesn't Who knows? take away Over the years, they might have scaled it. They, yeah. You know, sometimes they scale that stuff down. You know, but price point purposes or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. This was a lot of this was a lot of fun. It's sugary goodness, and um, yeah, I could eat the whole box easy. Ah, uh, yeah, that's like what's super tempting right now. I'm like sitting here, like debating with myself, like what am I gonna eat tonight? Am I gonna eat this whole box or what? Stop right. debating, give into it, Justin. I know. I know. <laughs> um, uh. cool. Well, uh, Neil, thanks so much for for coming on. Um, yeah, Neil. Be sure to follow us on all the majors uh, at the Hold Up Podcast, and then at the Hold Up Cast on Twitter. Uh, you can give us a call, John. What's the number? Four zero one two three six five one seven zero. You can leave us a voicemail. We'll throw you on the podcast. Yeah, check out our new sponsor, Unknown Arts. And yep. um, Neil, the floor is yours. Anything you'd like to say? Yeah, Neil. You know, you mentioned it earlier. Cinematographer, DP. I work with I love working with you, Neil. We've worked together a lot over the past year. I hope it continues in these sort of troubling times. But yeah, is there anything you want to plug or anything people can check out? Any work of yours? Uh, if you want to check out my work, you can go to neilgiuliano.com. That is N-E-I-L-G-U-L-I-A-N-O. Um, that's pretty much it. I have no social media. Um, I I I just I think you're pretty cool, John. I want to hang out with you. So this was pretty Hell nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to plug. Um, I, I prefer that. Uh, other people have things that I've shot that could plug that, uh, but uh, I'm just... But well, we'll have I'm them on the pod. The... No, I'm just cool, yeah. I'm just I'm just <laughs> Honestly, I'm just really glad that uh, that I had... Uh, that, that this entire Ego thing was a spiritual experience for me. Um, I did not expect that to happen. Uh, oh, shout-outs to uh, Dan Phillips, Reddit Creative Lab, for uh, giving me this uh, audio gear. Uh, Hell yeah. He's super cool. Yeah, Dan, former guest of the podcast, uh, friend of, of the pod. He's been on a couple times, friend of all of us. Great guy. I was just thinking Maybe about the grapefruit, guys... uh, grapefruits because yeah. of him. Yeah, he cuts cuts grapefruits in a specific way, which was fun. I that think I must have saw his knife. I still have the knife, or I saw a knife that looked like the knife he used to cut, yep. Uh, yep. which was this very crazy flower knife. Big, crazy butchered knife. Yeah. Big old knife. I must have saw something that, that looked like that knife, and that's what made me think of yeah. the grapefruit. But shout out, Dan. 
Yeah. Neil, thank you so much. This is an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Anytime. Uh, thank you very much. Check out the website. Check out Neil's work. And uh, we'd love to have you back sometime, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you very much. This was a pleasure. All right. Later, everyone. Bye. Bye. Decaf left, regular right. Decaf left, regular right. It's very challenging work.